Sonia created the Love the Word Bible Study Method just for you, based on Mary's personal practice and formulated for your personality and temperament. Get your Love the Word meditations every Monday morning by signing up at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. If you like having Bible study in your pocket and you have an iPhone or iPad, why not leave a review? Search Bible Study Evangelista in iTunes and tell everyone how you're loving and lifting all you've been given. Here's Sonia. It's the Sacred Healing 1230 Podcast, and I'm Sonia Corbett, your Catholic Evangelista, and today we are finishing up our series on Ignite, Read the Bible Like Never Before, a book that I wrote with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, on which we did an Australian tour together, and of course, you know, I actually did all of my books, and I think he did some of his other stuff too, but together we did several talks and several appearances on the book. And because nothing heals like God's word, we have also done a series here on the podcast on the book Ignite so that you have a primer on how to begin reading and studying the Bible. Or if you have been reading and studying the Bible for a long time, it's good to have a map to know how to navigate the different books of the Bible, the different genres of the Bible. So we've looked at the who, what, where, when, how, and today we're going to look at the why. So last week, we did a little bit of a review, but I'm going to recap the entire series today. So we're, we started out looking at Lectio Divina. Why? Because there are two ways to read the Bible. The first is daily and prayerfully. And that's why we started with Lectio Divina, because nothing heals like God's Word. The sacraments give us the nourishment and the power But the Bible, God's word, the scriptures give us the truth. And without the truth, we cannot battle the lies of the enemy. And without battling the lies of the enemy, we can't heal. So we must have an intimate relationship with the healer, Jesus, in which he pours out his love into our hearts. Those deficits of love in our hearts that cause us so much pain and so much suffering. And he does that every single day by speaking to you through the daily readings of the church. So the best way to begin healing is to hear God speak and experience his presence and discern his purpose for your life through the daily readings of the church. And that takes time. It takes time to build that relationship, but you must begin somewhere. And that's why I call it 40 days to mind-blowing communication with God, because if you'll spend 40 days, 40 days is the number of gestation in the scriptures. It's the number of trial. It's the number of new beginnings. And so we go to the daily readings of the church every single day, and we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? And we use the love the word method because it's easy to remember, L-O-V-E. We listen We observe, we verbalize, we entrust. We listen to what he says through the scriptures. We observe our relationships and circumstances. We verbalize back to him what we think he's saying, and then we entrust it all back to him. And that way, through that method, which our lady shared with me, we learn how to love the word the way she loves the word. And she teaches us how to interpret the word that we hear and read through the landscape of our lives. You can begin today reading those daily readings for free. 
if you'll go to my my website on the front page and scroll down to 40 days to mind-blowing communication with God, you'll see that there are several links there to places that you can get those for free, universalist.com. Laudate. Um, there are lots of ways that you can get the scriptures into you, the daily readings of the church into you every single day. Do it for 40 days and I promise you God will show up. But it is a relationship that we're building. So Jesus knows that we go to him for all these other little things, right? But he tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. So we don't get the everything else first. We seek the kingdom of God first, and we must seek with our whole hearts. And of course, that's also a process, right? But the point really is love. It is a love relationship. And Jesus told us that we must love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the first and the primary commandment. Everything else flows from that. We can't love our neighbor We can't love ourselves if we don't know what love is. And it's the Bible that teaches us how to love God the way God loves us. He teaches us his ways. He teaches us his purposes. But more than any of that, he teaches us through the word how to be cherished. He teaches us how to guard our peace. He teaches us how to love authentically. He teaches us what authentic love actually is. And he teaches us how to heal deeply. And because he teaches us that in the scriptures, and I have spent my life learning from the scriptures and listening to his word every single day, I can teach you how to do that. I can teach you how to be cherished. I can teach you how to guard your peace. I can teach you how to love authentically. I can teach you how to heal deeply. And that's why I offer the masterclass and the one-on-one consultations in order to teach you how to do that. But I also do it for free right here in the podcast in every single series that I offer. So while this primer on how to read and study the Bible may not have seemed like much of a healing endeavor. I promise you that you now know more about how to approach the Bible accurately so that you can receive the message that God wants to give you on a daily basis. And you can study more deeply so that just like in our John study that we're doing for monthly friends of the show, we're couple of sessions into that. That is a very healing, a a study like that that's really deep and intense is very, very healing. But it's all because of the truth. So we have to have the truth from the scriptures because Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will be conscious of the truth. You will be aware of the truth. You will know what the truth is beside a lie. You will know how to battle the lie. And one of the first things that God begins to teach us through the scriptures is who he is, the who of the Bible, who he is and who we are in relation to him. And that is done. He does that on a, an individual personal basis, according to your particular woundedness. He meets us in our wounds. We don't meet Jesus any other way. We have to open the wounds and invite him in to the hurts. And that can be a very scary process, depending on how we were raised and the things that we've experienced in our our lives. But I don't know about you, but I just wanted the pain to stop. I just wanted the pain to stop. And so I was willing to do anything 
And the very first thing that God confronted me with in the scriptures was myself. (laughs) As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. So that was the beginning. And then I had to learn how to trust him with the things that he was asking me to obey in. So it begins with that relationship, the who of the Bible. We have to know who God is and who we are. And we do that in the daily readings and through studying the scriptures. So the who of the Bible is God and you and that relationship. And he is drawing you. He is longing for you there. And that leads into the what of the Bible which is the love of God from which all healing proceeds. John Paul the Great said that suffering unleashes love because we only ever find Jesus and his love in our wounds. It's our wounds that cause all of our sin, all of the destruction, all of the hiding, all of the self-medication, all of the toxic relationships. And until and unless we can go to him and open up those wounds and let him pour his love into them through the scriptures particularly, but also as we learned last week through the sacraments, until we can open up those wounds to him and be vulnerable and be honest about who we are and what we've experienced, all of that good, bad, and ugly, until we allow him in those areas, we're not going to really meet him. We're not going to really find him. We're not going to experience him, and we're not going to be healed. We only ever find Jesus in our woundedness. But once we open it to him, he pours his love into it. He knows how broken we are. He knows how weak, how powerless, and how helpless we are. So he has given us himself through the sacraments and his word. He gives us his love. So the who is God and us, God and you, and that relationship. The what is his love. The where is the holy land which has always been in a mess since the days of Abraham with Isaac and Ishmael, and it's a mess today. Jesus's place is the Holy Land. He came to us in a particular setting, in a particular time, in a particular faith. And in order to understand who he is and what he's like, we have to know something about his place. And he wants us to know his place and to see his place. So we spent an entire show talking about the Holy Land. And since Jesus's place matters, your place matters. Your place where you were born, the family in which you were born, the parish at which you attend mass, and I hope at which you serve, all of those things are important in our relationship to God. And then we looked at the when of the Bible, a timeline of sacred history, particularly the Old Testament, but somewhat into the New Testament. And that's important because it's good for each of us, too, to look back over our lives and identify the spiritual markers of our relationship with God. And that's one of the things that God does for us when we have that daily time with him in the scriptures. He helps us with the overview of our own lives, particularly when he's about to bring us into a new season of our lives. He starts to talk about that in the daily readings, and he'll direct us to go back and sort of review so that he can get us ready for the next season.
You are listening to the Sacred Healing 1230 Podcast, because love heals. Aren't you tired of all the ugliness on social media? You need a faith community that nurtures you and helps you heal. Visit BibleStudyEvangelista.com and click Community on the menu, or scroll down to the radio notes and click the link to the Sacred Healing 1230 Community. You'll find monthly coaching calls for one-on-one consultation and masterclass participants, live healing prayer streams, a monthly Bible study, prayer intentions and intercessions, love the word takeaways from the daily readings, and poignant shares of our victories and struggles. We're waiting for you. Are you coming? Did you know you can get Bible Study Evangelista radio notes and podcasts delivered to your inbox every Monday morning? Redeem your Mondays. Join thousands of your fellow listeners by subscribing at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. One of the things that David does throughout the Psalms is he'll start to complain about something that's going on in his life, and he'll kind of pour out all of his emotion. He lets the puppy pee, (laughs) and then he starts to go back and review all of the ways that God has delivered him in the past, and that leads to thanksgiving, and remember we learned way back when, that Thanksgiving is the multiplier, right? Thanksgiving is what gives us more of the good and less of the bad, whereas negativity and complaining, we learned from the Exodus and the children of Israel that all of the complaining and the murmuring, all of that does, all that does is just increase the complaining and the murmuring and the situations that cause it, because we lack faith. And so when we go back over the time of our own lives and we can review how God has been present and how he has delivered us in the past and how he will surely deliver us again in the present. And so we need not fear the future. So the time, studying the time and the the timeline of salvation history assures us and and strengthens our faith in the protection and the provision of provision of God in the present. So looking at how salvation history has unfolded through God's people and in them and how God has expressed and shown his love over time is really good for our faith. And it's also helpful when we're reading the readings to sort of know where each of the prophets fits in, where each of the Old Testament readings fits in in a timeline of salvation history, where the Gospels fit in, who wrote first, and what order were they written. All of that gives us a certain stability and reference and context while we're reading those readings on a daily basis and we're studying the Bible on a seasonal basis. Then we looked at the how of the Old Testament, which centered mostly around the Old Testament tabernacle and the worship that God prescribed there, which was the foundation for the church to come, we saw in Ezekiel 44. And then the worship of the New Testament, the how of the New Testament, we looked at the sacraments because the sacraments communicate grace to us now, whereas in the Old Testament, their practices had no grace in them. 
So we can't ever say again if we are confirmed that we have no power, that we're helpless, because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, particularly for that exact purpose, so that we would be empowered. And why? Why did God do all of that? He did it for our salvation. And as I've mentioned several times before, the word salvation in the Bible is a very full, rich word. It comes from the Hebrew shalom, or the Jewish word shalom. It means peace. The name Jerusalem is actually built on that word shalom. Jeru or Yeru is the first part of hallelujah. For in, in English, it would be like hallelujah. And then Salem or shalom. So hallelujah. Peace. This is what Jesus was talking about when he spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he told her about the living water, the living Holy Spirit water that will flow from the heart when we worship in the New Testament, according to the principles and the sacraments and the structure that Jesus fulfills from the Old Testament and brings forward in the New Testament through his own body. And he does that so that we can be at peace in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, and in our bodies. I know it seems too good to be true, but that is the truth. And here's the thing. You know, I hear people say all the time, I've done all the stuff. I pray all the prayers. I've done deliverance. I've done therapy. I've done this. I've done that. I'm reading the Bible. I don't get anything out of it. All I have to say to you, if that is how you feel, is, is God a liar? Because his word is full of the promises of this abundant life, this outpouring of living water. And my question would be, in that situation, where is your life not ordered according to the principles of God? And we all get aggravated, you know, that he doesn't do what he says he's supposed to do. When we're doing all the things that we think we're supposed to do, but we don't take the time to get to know him in his word so that we know exactly what it is he wants from us. The grace of God, the life of God, the living water, it comes out of the spigot of grace is what I call it. It comes out of the spigot of grace. If you stand under the spigot of grace, then you're going to get grace. But if you step out from under the spigot, you're not going to get grace. We have to do it God's way. We don't get to pick and choose. And one of the big warnings out of the scriptures is that we have to pursue God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, how do we do that when we're fractured and wounded and angry and terrorized and suspicious? We have to learn, right? And the only way to learn is to be in those readings every single day and to trust that he is going to meet us there. Now, I know that many of you listening already have that habit, and I am giving you the big high five, and I love to hear how God is speaking to you every single day, or at least frequently, how you have pushed through the silence (laughs) and are now encountering him through your daily readings. I absolutely love it. I can't tell you, it it just sets my heart on fire because I know and can see and even feel what you're seeing and feeling and hearing 
I had a I had a guy in a consultation last week who um, I mean, I'm still meeting with him, but he mentioned last week he, he was afraid that God didn't have a sense of humor. And I just I, I felt kind of sorry for him, to be honest. He doesn't have that daily habit. And I've been working with him on establishing that because that's one of the cutest things and most tender things that I experience in the daily readings is God's sense of humor. He has a sense of humor and it's hysterical. I mean, and it's also individual. He he's he's so personal in his relationship to us and tender and constant. So that is what my entire ministry is about, is teaching you through the scriptures how to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, because Jesus himself said that was the most important thing. That's the primary commandment. So we need to know something about the Bible in order to pick it up and start reading it. We need to know something about it in order to understand what we're reading. And we need to know something about it in order to interpret properly what we're reading so that we don't go off the deep end and think he's saying something that he's not. And here's an example. So we're about to start a new series called Healing the Inner Child, in which we're looking at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 18. And the the people come to him and ask him, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And he pulls a little child to himself and he says, you have to become like this little child or you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's we skip over that because we've heard it so many times and it doesn't shock us the way it would have shocked them. In those days, children were seen and not heard. They weren't important. They were basically property. And so for Jesus to make that kind of statement, it had to be very jarring for those that were listening to him. But what's even more fascinating to me is how he goes into this teaching. He's teaching a bunch of adults what it means to be great. And he he plops this child in the center of everyone, almost as though we're supposed to make ourselves vulnerable, vulnerable again, like we were when we were kids. And I don't know about you, but that's not an attractive idea to me. Maybe you wish you could go home and live with your parents, you know, even now. Or maybe you do, and, and maybe you need to because they need your help. But I'm, I'm really talking about reverting back to that stage of life where we're completely at the mercy of other people who may or may not take care of us, who may or may not love us, and who may or may not give us what we need. And it seems that Jesus is saying, you have to be pitiful. You have to be a doormat. You have to allow people to hurt you. You have to be weak and powerless and pitiful. And I don't know about you, but that's not attractive to me. But that's not what he's saying. If you simply read that one sentence without the context of the full chapter, then you miss the whole point of what he's doing in that chapter. He sandwiches this huge body of teaching on relationships between two illustrations in which he uses children. And in the next series, we're going to look at the little way. We're going to look at some of what St. Therese of Lisieux has to say and what the Bible has to say about, about healing the inner child.
You are listening to the Sacred Healing 1230 Podcast, because love heals. Losing it more often or lost yourself entirely? Binging on food, alcohol, or your phone? Feeling exhausted, anxious, angry, scared? You've done all the novenas, all the consecrations, adoration, daily mass, Bible study, therapy, and deliverance prayers. Why has none of it given you permanent relief? Does God not care? He does care. But you can't feel it because you need to be cherished. You need to be healed. In Sacred Healing 1230, I teach you how to live authentically from the holistic love of God and the power of Mark 1230. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. I teach you how to be cherished. I teach you how to guard your peace. I teach you how to love authentically teach you how to heal deeply. I teach you how to feel better because you can only love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength if they are healing and whole in Him. The love you were made for is only a mouse click away. Go to BibleStudyEvangelista.com to stop the emotional vomit and start experiencing the miracle of living authentically from the healing love of God in your heart, soul, mind, and body. Ultimately, that healing of the inner child is the why of the Bible, because all of us are God's children. He is our heavenly father. We are his children. And because we are children and we're supposed to be children, Jesus says, we have to know what he means. We have to know what the difference is between being childish and childlike. And so that's part of what we're going to cover in the series, The Little Way, healing the inner child. And I know that sounds silly to some of you. And perhaps if you had a good childhood, it particularly sounds silly. But the the inner child that we're talking about, it can also be a a carefree, a more carefree, lighthearted sort of time of your life in which you knew how to play, you knew how to not worry, you know, about Who's going to fix dinner and who's going to feed me and who's going to get my clothes? Those kinds of things. So your inner child includes sources of strength, play, lightheartedness, and the skills and the memories that you have from the stages of your development and growth. It can also, though, include things like wounds and traumas that you've experienced throughout your life. Those can be from parents or they can be from other people. And even when we have really good parents, there is no parent that is capable of giving us everything we need all the time. And so that causes us to create what are called maladaptive patterns of behavior. And while they were helpful when we were children, they are not very helpful when we grow up and and start trying to relate to other people. We carry those memories, we carry those coping mechanisms from our childhoods into our adult lives, and the pain that we experienced in childhood resurfaces later in those relationships, particularly our spousal relationships and our relationships with our kids, people who whom we love and whom are important to us, but they can also uh, show up in friendships and or even work relationships. So we repeat, we repeat those coping mechanisms and those patterns of behavior that we experienced and that we um, 
that we structured for ourselves in childhood. A neglected and wounded inner child starts to create these chaotic relationships, lots of drama, and they resort to negative coping skills to handle stresses, things like alcohol or eating or other impulsive and selfish sort of sorts of behavior. When people are threatened or when they're upset, they revert back to that behavior. And that's why sometimes we might say to ourselves, what's wrong with me? Or why, why am I acting like such a baby? Why do I feel like such a baby even? You catch yourself doing things that are very immature, things like stomping your feet or slamming doors or tearing up something. And many people lose that childlikeness completely. They don't know how to play. They don't know how to relax. They don't know how to just enjoy themselves or other people. They have to be busy all the time. They're driving themselves like slave drivers. Where does that come from? It comes from childhood. It comes from coping mechanisms. And it will kill us. And one of the things that I find that's so destructive for people is religious lies that they've been taught or that they somehow picked up from parents or that they somehow picked up from Sunday school or or catechism class or I don't know, because they, they usually center around something like charity. Well, I have to suck it up and turn the other cheek. So I'm going to let so-and-so continue to abuse me forever, right? It's, it's so unhealthy. We have to have a balance. We have to know the truth of the scriptures. And we need a good, full banquet. We can't just know one verse and, and try to apply that one verse to every single situation when there's an entire rest of the Bible that speaks to those situations in different ways. So that's why... I always bring the scriptures to bear on every series that we're doing so that you have the truth and you can battle the lies that the enemy conquers you with over and over and over again. And that is the why of the Bible. That way we learn what authentic love is. We learn healthy coping mechanisms. We break patterns of avoidance. We can offer ourselves in compassion to other people, but also to ourselves. We can be compassionate to ourselves. We can tune in to what we need, and we can sacrifice that sometimes in ways that are healthy without killing ourselves. We can love ourselves and other people, is my point. We can set boundaries. We can regulate our emotions. We can develop good daily rituals and routines like reading the daily readings every day. We can clearly express what we need and what we want to other people. We can take care of ourselves. And perhaps most important for some of us who grew up with slave drivers as parents, <laughs> we, can, we can learn how to play again and how to be spontaneous, and how not to have to hide from God all the time and, and worry that he's out to get us or that we're going to go to hell for every little infraction that we fall into, sometimes accidentally, but sometimes on purpose, sometimes on purpose because the child is, is feeling rebellious. I know, I'm not talking to any of you guys. That's just me. <laughs> so that part of you that's defined by your experiences while you were growing up, whether they were good or bad or a mixture of both, and most of us have that sort of situation, that's your inner child. If you've experienced trauma, your inner child probably needs a lot of extra attention, attention and care. And if all this just seems too silly to even be talking about, Jesus says not to despise any of these little ones. 
What does he mean by that? Now, I know we rarely place ourselves in this category of children, but I'd like for you to just consider with me through this series, what could happen? What kind of healing could Jesus work in you at that childlike level? What if you could bring that wounded child to Jesus? That's what we're going to do together throughout that entire series. And we're going to we're going to listen to St. Therese of Lisieux and some of what she has to say about all of that, because she had the key. The key is love. It's all about love and that littleness in love. But we have to know how to love authentically so that we can love safely, so that we're not we're not continually hurt over and over and over again in the same ways that we've been hurt in the past. It's time to grow up, right? Growing up in Jesus and still remaining childlike, not childish, but childlike. So if you're listening to this podcast and this is the first, maybe the first show you've ever listened to for me, you can get that delivered into your inbox by going to BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Scroll down to The Little Way, Healing the Inner Child, that picture, and click it and sign up right there and you'll get, you'll first of all, you'll get working through pop quizzes and emotional vomit emails. There are uh, five of those, but then you'll start to receive every week on Monday you'll receive the episodes for Healing the Inner Child, The Little Way. So I hope you'll join me. I hope you'll also share that. I mean, I don't know about you, but being around other adults and watching how immature they can be with one another and witnessing one's own behavior sometimes, (laughs) we're all a bunch of little children in grown-up bodies running around creating drama, throwing tantrums, and trying to be seen and heard. And so let's see and hear that inner child in you for the first time, maybe, because that's the, the why of the Bible. Jesus wants us to be whole and at peace, full of that living water of his presence that heals not only us, heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then can be extended to all of those around us. I love what the Magnificat says. Occasionally, I see this show up in the the morning readings of the Magnificat, and it talks about how people who are healed are circles of peace, a circle of peace. What if you and your home could be a circle of peace? And do you even believe that that's possible? Because faith, Paul says, comes from hearing and hearing from the word. Did you realize that faith comes from hearing the word? This is another reason why it's so important to be in the scriptures every single day, hearing it, reading it, seeing it. If you need more faith, you need more scripture. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word. And that's why you listen to my podcast, because you know I'm going to give you some scripture every single time you click on that play button. Now, if the why of the Bible is healing... And Jesus talks about our healing in terms of heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he, he implies two things there. We are supposed to love our neighbor, but we are supposed to love ourselves. And if that's true, first of all, what is love?
You are listening to the Sacred Healing 1230 Podcast, because love heals. If you love having Bible study in your pocket, you can become a friend of the show. Click on the yellow friend of the show button on BibleStudyEvangelista.com and become a supporter of any amount and any frequency. Now, here's Sonia. one of the best verses to teach us about love is John 3:16. Now, y'all know that I'm a convert and that was probably the first verse out of the Bible that I had to memorize, that I did memorize, that I still know. But I love it because it contains the definition for love in it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we see that love, authentic love gives but it gives in a certain way. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often called the love chapter, a little bit more of an explanation of what love is. It's patient. It's kind. It does not envy or is not jealous. It doesn't parade itself or boast. It's not puffed up. It's not rude. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. That's a big one. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, meaning crookedness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things or perseveres through all things. It believes all things. That's got to be qualified, right? It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Now, back to John 3.16, you'll notice that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Did the world deserve it? No. So we see one of the principles of true love is that it treats people better than they deserve when it's in their best interest. Now, any of you who have babysat children or have reared your own children know that it is not always in the best interest of a child to treat him better than he deserves. If he has an uncontrolled temper, he needs to learn how to manage his emotions. So does it make sense then? To not give him boundaries and to not offer consequences for behavior that allows him to let his emotions just rule over everyone else? Of course not. So you can see then that the working definition of authentic love is to treat someone better than he deserves when it's in his best interest. One of the very best definitions that I ever ran across in psychology was Scott Peck back he, he was a psychotherapist back in the 70s and 80s. He died, I think, in the 90s. But he de- defined love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. I really, really like that because there are worse things than sickness and illness and being deprived or being in poverty. Spiritual death, eternal spiritual death is far worse than any awful thing that we can experience here on earth. And it will be magnified exponentially by the resurrected body. So if we are in God's presence, experiencing him as loving and beatitude and blissful, then the experience of his love will be magnified even more by the resurrected body. But the opposite is also true. So that if we are in God's presence and we experience that presence as hell, misery, 
pain, anger, hatred, if we're experiencing that, then that will also be magnified exponentially by the resurrected body. That's far worse than any death that ends a physical illness or physical pain or even a psychic pain or emotional pain. Imagine your worst emotional pain and suffering exponentially worse and magnified exponentially. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to experience that. So love is the primary commandment because love is what heals us. It's the primary human need, and it's the basic motivation of every single human act. We're always trying to get love or we're trying to give it. It's that basic. One psychotherapist said that love is not an abstraction, but a literal neurochemical event. So it's biological. We need to love and we need to be loved. Every single human pain and wound is ultimately caused by a deficit of love. And that is why love is the primary commandment. Love is the why. And this healing comes from love. It comes from God's love. The why of the Bible is healing and love is heals. So it's really important to know what authentic love is so that we know how to love ourselves and we know how to love other people. And one of the things that I want to do in the inner child, the little way series is I I want you to draw your heart. We're going to do a heart drawing that we're going to update week by week as sort of a visual aid. I know some people have a hard time with visualizations, but if we do it in in a, a way that's more like a a diagram than a say a moving picture or a picture at all, if we did it like that, I think that most of us would be able to to at least attempt it in a way that we can update week by week and we can see what our heart actually looks like. We can sort of quantify it, we'll say. So we'll talk about the shield that love provides for our hearts. When we talk about healing the heart, we're talking about really the seat of the human person, according to the scriptures. So it includes really the, the rest of it, the soul and the mind too. But since Jesus separates them, we're going to too. And it makes it It makes it much easier to address each part of ourselves. So when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about pain and emotional vomit. And we need to know what the pattern in that is, right? And so that's why I talk about all the time that dog returning to his its vomit. The why of the Bible is healing. And so we need to know what our patterns are. So we talk about that quite a bit. The heart is needy. Where do we go to have our needs fulfilled? How do we direct our neediness properly so that it can be satisfied? The Bible teaches how to do that. How do we experience inner healing? We know biologically that love heals. It heals biologically. It heals emotionally. It heals intellectually. It heals spiritually. And so I want to do some guided exercises, some of what I do in the masterclass and the one-on-one consultations, and some I don't, but I want to try some guided exercises that'll help you see and experience Jesus's love because it will heal you. And if you're reading the Bible, the scriptures, the readings every single day, you're you're going to start to learn the lies that keep you in pain and in bondage, and you're going to receive the truth of your identity in Christ. This is what one of the main parts of the masterclass and the one-on-one consults. Jesus heals the soul. 
How does he do that through the scriptures? He speaks into our anxiety and our fear, which we wouldn't think about being a soul issue, but it definitely is. What is the biological process of anxiety and fear? Well, that's part of what science brings us, right? But how can we identify and permanently remove those blocks to healing? The scriptures tell us how to do that, but there is also an element, a spiritual element element that we have to address as well. And that's where deliverance can help. That's where this one-on-one daily contact with God helps through the Holy Spirit. He will also always isolate and target your wound if if you'll spend that time with him building a relationship. And he does so in a way that, that won't kill you. He teaches us through the scriptures how to stop spiritual harassment. Peace is God's gift, but we have to know when we're being harassed by the enemy and how to battle him. The Bible teaches us how to do it. That's why I teach you how to do it. That's why I offer the masterclass. That's why I do the one-on-one consultations. That's why I do these podcasts so that you can also learn how to stop that spiritual harassment and, and identify it to begin with. Jesus heals your mind through the truth of the word by teaching us how to be thankful, how to elevate our baseline happiness permanently. We learn through the gratitude series how to outgrow our coping mechanisms from childhood, guilt, shame, sugar, wine, you name it, right? He teaches us how to do that through the truths of the scriptures. He helps us to erect proper boundaries and learn how to guard our peace, which is one of the things we're going to learn in the inner child series, but definitely one of the things that I address in the masterclass and the one-on-one consultations. And then in the scriptures, he also teaches us, first of all, that we can expect physical healing to at least a certain degree and how to go about pursuing that. He shows us how to find help for body shaming and sexual wounds. He shows us how he relieves chronic pain and fatigue and other physical symptoms by teaching us to face other people and ourselves authentically, to stop hiding, to stop pleasing, to stop lying, to stop pretending and being fake. And he says that where the eye is single, which the church fathers interpret to be that heart, which includes the intellect and the spirit. And the emotions, all of that sort of in one, according to the church fathers, is that I. And when the I is single, Jesus says, the body is full of light. So he teaches us that our physical well-being has more to do with the spiritual and the intellectual and the emotional than even the physical. Now, truly, I am generalizing. And I'm not speaking into every single specific situation and circumstance, but as a rule, If you don't know the scriptures well enough to know these truths and these teachings and the reality of what God wants for you in your life, the why of the Bible, then you are going to live a hopeless, purposeless, futile life. You're going to look back and say, God lied to me and everything he said and everything I taught was an absolute total lie. And that's going to be very sad because you could miss heaven altogether in that case. And dear one, I don't want that for you. The why of the Bible is healing, healing in your heart, in your soul, in your mind and in your strength. It begins and ends with love and love is God and he teaches us his love. I teach you about that in both the masterclass and the one-on-one consultations. If you need help in those areas, get to my website and get in touch with us. There is nothing more important. It is the whole purpose. It's why we're here. It's why Jesus died. It's the why 
of the Bible. Thank you for listening to this Sacred Healing 1230 podcast. Find out more at BibleStudyEvangelista.com because love heals.